Let me give you some practical tips. We're going to talk about evangelism. It's on one mission. I'm going to give you some practical tips. I'm going to use Louie to help me out. Come here, Louie. Hey, Louie, did you see the big game the other day? Yes. Well, since we're talking about competition, there's a spiritual competition going on, the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of God. Let me share with you more about that. See that segue? That was awesome. Hey, what do you think about this weather? Cold. Since you're talking about cold, you know the heart of man can grow cold against the gospel. Let me tell you how you can avoid that. You know, aren't the leaves beautiful this time of year? Yes. Since we're talking about that, the creator of all of these things that we acknowledge as beautiful is God himself. Did you know that? No. Yeah, well, I'll tell you more about it. You can sit down. <laughs> now, it's, it's silly. I get it. It's off-putting. I get it. But it opens a door. You see, all we have to do is just get a segue. Just an opening. Just... Crack the door a little bit because people of the spirit, when the door's cracked a little bit, we go, Jesus is Lord. Amen? And we can have that. We can walk in that authority. Today we're talking about reaching people not like us. I'm looking around and I'm seeing lots of different people. And when there's lots of different people, then there's also a bunch of people that aren't like you. You may ask the question, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul writes letters to the churches. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he lays out a good place to start. When I am weak, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Let's talk for a moment about common ground. There's one thing that everybody has in common today. Gas costs a lot of more money than it used to. Standing at the gas pump, man, these gas prices, huh? Did you know in heaven we won't have to use gas? I'm looking forward to going to heaven someday. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's silly, but can, can, we, can we take a risk for the sake of the gospel? You know, we take risks for all kinds of things. But maybe if the Lord would give us an opportunity and an open door and have a conversation. Now listen, I'm not coming at you. Let me just explain to you. I get my gas at Costco. And those little guys that walk around with those little vests, I just, I'm pumping my gas. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Please don't. Oh, whew, they're talking to somebody else. That's my personality. I'm like, I'm good. Leave me alone. But can I just tell you that maybe God's calling me also to be a little bit more uncomfortable for the sake of the kingdom? Maybe the Lord's reminding Andrew today that it ain't about you anyway, Andrew. Is that... Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that artificial intelligence during worship going on? I prayed against it. Oh, the devil is a liar. We're going to have fun today. I'm trying to set you up because when I start fussing at you, I want, I want you to be on board with me, okay? We ready? Lord, help us all to receive this word. 
Not, not necessarily for our sake in this house, but for the sake of those that are dying without you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. One mission. We talked about Jerusalem. We talked about Judea. Today, we talk about Samaria. We're not talking about the geography of Samaria. We're talking about people that are not like us. And the way we, peach, we reach people not like us is we have to find common ground. Whose turn is it today to win souls? It is our turn to take the gospel into uncharted areas. And uncharted areas, before you think I'm talking about the mission field thousands of miles away, I'm talking about that person that you don't know yet. Did you know that's just as much uncharted as India, the backsides of India? Did you know that there is spiritual ground that still needs to be taken right outside our front door? When we hear this term, who's not like us? The first thing that comes to mind in many of our responses is race. Well, to reach someone that not like us must be talking about race. But we have to remember today that the separation by race that's happened in our world was God's plan to remind the people to spread out, go and fill the earth. So what do they do? They come together under one city and begin to build a tower that they said, we can reach God. And in Genesis chapter 11, God comes to spoil that plan, to remind them that he is in charge. Verse 5 of Genesis 11 says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down. I want to pause right here and give you some theology. We believe that there is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is biblical evidence again and again and again that we serve a God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because right here, like it was in the beginning of creation, let us make man in our image, let us go down. Who is God talking to? The Trinity is present throughout the scripture. Now I say that because sometimes there's been some misunderstanding. How many of you guys know that getting off track just a little bit ends up way off track down the road? Am I right? This isn't in my notes, but September, mid-September, the Catholic Church sat beside of the leader of the Muslim world, a prestigious imam, and signed an accord to say we serve the same God. I'll save that for prophecy hour <laughs> on Wednesday night. Let me get back to it, but the point is this. We have to be biblical. So God says, let us go down there, confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad 
from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. What does this have to do with us? Well, language controlled geography. They stayed in the same place when they spoke the same language. Geography brought common culture, color, and creed. They stayed in the same place. They had the same culture, the same color, the same creed, and began to walk in that same life. But God's heart was that you and I would be called to reach those that are not like us. In the book of Acts, they made the same mistake again because Jesus said, go, receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Go tell the people like you and the people not like you. Well, they got stuck in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 8, God unstuck them by allowing persecution to take place. So before you walk out of here and you feel like these people that you don't know yet are not your responsibility, let me remind you that God has commissioned all of us to reach those that are placed in our path. People not like you include people from a different financial class, people that believe different than you. Their worldview might be different than you. Culturally, they may be different than you. Physically, they may be different than you. They may communicate different than you. We've got to be strategic, and our ulterior motive must be to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. First, uh, Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Can we stop saying that it's somebody else's responsibility? That I'm going to do my part. You do your part. Because if we really take the responsibility of reaching the lost, then the lost might start getting re reached. Amen? <laughs> Those who are not like you. Before I forget to give you the application and the exercise that we're going to do today, the challenge is this. If I'm holding the gauntlet, I'm about to drop it. Today, if you go to lunch somewhere and there's a server that brings you your food, don't write in the tip line, Jesus loves you. I'm asking you to do something. I want you to tip at least 20%. Oh, oh. <laughs> Even if it's the stupid little tip at the checkout line. You know what I'm talking about? Add tip. Oh, got me again. Just do it. What I'd like for you to do is how about extend an invitation. Say, hey, can, can I pray for you? How many of you guys just got uncomfortable? Raise your hand. I ain't doing it. You'll do it. Because the Holy Spirit will tell me if you don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what if, what if we were to actually take action in that intentional way? What if, what if we prayed at the end of our time together today and said, Lord, coordinate 
what we're about to do? What if every restaurant you folks showed up in this very afternoon, a server was there that had a deep, painful need? You think God's big enough to do that? I do. How do you reach people that are not like you? Right after the believers were scattered, we find in Acts chapter 8, the first example of those reaching people not like them. A man named Philip, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. The first way that you can do, the first thing that you can do to reach people not like you is to walk in the miraculous. Walk in the miraculous. Now, many of you may be even thinking right now, I, I, I can't pray for people and, and have them legs grown and appendages restored and, and all of these. I can't do that. Can I just remind you that, that there is a miracle that's greater than any other miracle, and that's the fact that the blood spilled 2,000 years ago can somehow supernaturally wash my sin away and save me for all eternity. That's a great miracle, Amen. And yet we accept that as if, oh yeah, oh, of course that'll happen, but I, I can't really pay for somebody to be healed. I mean, that's crazy. You with me? Y'all aren't gonna be quiet today, I'm gonna tell you right now. Are you with me? Yeah. Salvation is a miracle that's unlike anything else we could experience, and yet we doubt that we can pray for somebody's headache. Let the testimony of a baby that was saved and lung cancer that dissolved be your motivation. Well, what if, what if I pray for it and it doesn't happen? Well, then that's on God. He, he's the one that does the miracle anyway. Let me remind you that the definition of miracle is something only God can do. You are not a miracle maker. Jesus is. The miracle... For the modern church, none of you, well, it is you, but it's everybody else. The miracle for the modern church is to actually walk in the power that God's given us. We have forgotten who God is sometimes. I mean, whoo, I mean, let's, Let's be reminded today that we can walk in the miraculous. Let's look at Acts chapter eight. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. How can we find common ground? Let me tell you, one of the best ways to find common ground is miracles. Miracles bring everyone to common ground. Even though there may be people not like you, we have all been wired by God to have a deep desire for the supernatural. If the obstacle to overcome is our differences, then the supernatural is the common ground we can find. Philip went to the Samaritans, a unique people group in history. They were not considered ethnically Jewish or Arab, but they lived in close proximity to the both groups for thousands of years. Here's who the Samaritans actually were. They were considered half-breeds, 
by the modern day. They were considered perversions and abnormalities. To be a Samaritan was to be on the outskirts. The only ones that you had common faith with was other Samaritans. Samaritans created a religion with pieces of all other religions and made their own way. And that was frustrating to everyone that was around them. The modern example would be this idea of interfaith representation on college campuses and in the military. If you're representing all faiths, then you're not representing any faith. Hmm. Listen, I, the, world, the world needs us to be more bold because the world is becoming more bold by the day. So when the devil comes out there in boldness, aren't we to respond in kind? The Samaritans were a source of confusion for people of that day, and many had written them off. Can I tell you, church people, maybe it's time we stop rolling our eyes at people when we pass by. Oh, they're, they're trans this, or they're LG, blah, 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 whatever that. And we roll our eyes. Well, they've chosen their path. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Can we push back? Can we still preach Jesus? Can we still offer hope and love? Can we still reach out to the lost and destitute? Who are the Samaritans of today? Who are they? Who are those that are not like you? If you're a believer, then those that are not like you are the ones going to hell. Where is our burden? Philip went, walked in the miraculous. Ethnically, those that he reached were not like him. Culturally, they were not like him. Spiritually, they were not like him. And yet, he walked in an extreme level of confidence. That only comes from operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yes, so, so we have got to flip the script in our minds, friends. We, we don't cautiously approach people that are under the power of the enemy. The enemy cautiously approaches us because we've got the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. How do we reach those that are not like you? Number two, walk in authenticity. Authenticity. Be real, man. Verse nine of the, of the passage in chapter eight, a man named Simon who had been a sorcerer there for many years. A lot of us, oh yeah, Simon lives in that neighborhood. He's a sorcerer. I'm out. Let's go get the prayer team. Let's go get the preacher. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> Philip went to Samaria, and just so you know, everybody knew who Simon was and the fact that he was a sorcerer. We'll find that in just a few, in just a few moments right here in the Scripture. Sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. So let's dig in. Walk in authenticity. This Philip that we find in this passage was not the disciple, the follower who was following Jesus for three years, Philip the apostle. This Philip was just Philip. Tell your neighbor he's just Philip. Let me talk to you about who Philip is. He was the amateur. He was the church member. He was the one working at Greater Grounds or the security team or serving in the nursery on a rotational basis. That's who this Philip was. He was the one that just showed up on a Sunday morning and said, yeah, let me try out this church. Man, what is going on here? (laughs) He was a novice, an amateur. He was not polished and professional. He didn't preach a message with three points. And yet, many men and women were baptized. It was amateurs that left Jerusalem. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. They were the headquarters. It was the amateurs that went out and did the work of the gospel of the kingdom. There were revolutionaries in the spirit realm. They were just doing what they had been told, equipped, yet not trained for. Before you think for a minute that Philip had greater training than you had, let me remind you that the church, the whole thing, was just a few months old. At this time, he didn't grow up in church. Didn't nobody grow up in church. The church was just born. And yet, we see this anointing. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, well, what, what, do I, what do I say, Pastor? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. You just did that thing with Louis. I couldn't do that. What do I say? Well, you know, Jesus, I'm reminded, said, don't, don't worry about the words you're going to say. Just open your mouth. And the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Well, what if my theology's all jacked up and wrong? Speak Jesus. Speak Jesus. You're not going to debate some atheist. You're just speaking the gospel. Can I remind you also that you might be just planting that seed? You might not experience that they're saved and set free. And then become a church planter. That might not be your experience. Maybe it's just a kind word that is attached to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And make no mistake, 
make sure you make it clear. Don't just say, hey, you know, things will get better. You'll figure it out. Say, hey, you know what? I serve a God that will help you if you let him. I, 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 serve, I serve the Lord Jesus. He'll help you if you let him. You know, there's a whole lot of platitudes and nice things to say. There's a whole lot of poems written about people that can figure it out. Be, find your truth. You be happy. When you're happy, everybody else will be happy. No, happiness is a joke. It's not real. It's connected to all of the circumstances of our lives. But there's this thing called joy that we can have unceasing and full of glory. And that's not connected. You, you could be laid off, laid down sick. You could be all kinds of busted and broken, but still have the joy of the Lord. Be authentic. Can I tell you, an honest conversation and authenticity goes a long way with people. Simon, the sorcerer, was a different social class. He came from money because he had money. Philip was just Philip. In the Roman society of those days, there was classism. You were either a senator or you were wealthy or you were what they called a plebe, just a worker. That's Philip. And yet, he was used. Many men and women were baptized. That's integrity that he walked in in Proverbs eleven three. The integrity of the upright guides them. Finally, how do you reach those who are not like you? You walk in your assignment. You walk in your assignment. I'm almost done. We preach on this side of this story as Phil, this is Philip the evangelist. But when did Philip the evangelist become Philip the evangelist? Because he was just Philip. Maybe it was after he evangelized. You with me? Did I leave you behind just now? Or are you right, you're right in sync with me, right? That maybe he just said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. And now we talk about Philip as not just Philip, but Philip the evangelist. Well, pastor, does that mean I get an office at the church when I become blank the evangelist? No. Don't nobody want you up here. I don't have any office space anyway. But we're all called. We're all commanded. We're all privileged share this message so next time I feel like rolling my eyes at somebody man look at this idiot man they, they are not like me I want the Holy Spirit to remind me they're not like you and that's the very reason you got to talk to them you got to talk to them you got to talk to them 
Andrew, let me remind you, get off of that seat. You're not, not supposed to be up there anyway. Come back down here. Be Andrew the bringer. <laughs> you be you the evangelist, the prayer warrior, the one who cares, the one who can be approached for prayer. I want you to be the one in the office and the one in the schoolhouse and the one in the neighborhood that, hey, if you ever have a need, that one will help you. That one will pray for you. We're going to flip the script. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear so-and-so was, was talking about Jesus? I didn't know so-and-so was even a Christian. I knew they disappeared on Sunday while I'm out here watering my grass, but I didn't know where they went, and they just came back. I thought they were at Costco. <laughs> Church family, I, I'm, I'm honored to serve you, but I'm telling you, man, I, I watched something this past week and I read about a, a Hollywood star that had a late night interview on one of the shows openly talking about their exploration of witchcraft. And this particular star has a huge following of young adults, teenagers. Oh, it's breaking my heart. And now they have said, I'm going to create a podcast so other people can learn and go with me on this journey of witchcraft. God, help us to plant seeds of life and power and the gospel where the devil is walking and roaming freely in our society. He's getting bolder and bolder by the day, which means Jesus is coming soon. Our assignment is clear, our mission is our calling, and we have got to do something about it. I'll put it to you this way. Picture this for a moment. The investment that you receive, both in your personal devotion and here at the church, it's an investment in you. It's a deposit. But how many of you guys understand that the deposit that you're, you receive is supposed to be turned back around and poured out? For far too long, I believe that many in the church have taken the deposit from the previous Sunday and they dump it out in the bushes on the way in the next week because they just sat on it. Can I tell you that there is a deposit of the Holy Spirit that is in your heart and this word, I'm preaching as hard as I can. This word needs to go somewhere this week. Please. What if, what, what if they don't like me? What if, what if they get mad at me? I seem to remember a story. I'll end with this. I seem to remember a story in this book. There was a guy who everybody got mad at and they didn't like. And they hung him on a cross because they didn't like him. So can we be willing to be unliked? Because the results of that is you and I can have eternal life. And the results of the seed that you might plant, the word that you might share, the prayer that might go forth from you may be eternity change for that person. Here's my hope, it's my prayer. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis. My hope is that when I die, all of hell rejoices because I'm out of the fight. Whew. 
Now, I don't know about you. Some of you got it already, but I had to read it four or five times before I got it. My hope is that when I die, all of hell rejoices because I'm out of the fight. <laughs> or when you pass from this life to the next, will there be no reaction because eh, we're doing anything anyway? Bow your heads with me. I just like to pray. And Lord, I just bring these people to you. I thank you for them and their hearts, for them being here today. I, I'm, thank, I'm so thankful for that. And God, I pray right now, somehow, some way, may you raise up an army that would go into their community and into their streets, that even into the restaurants this afternoon, that God, you would use us to steer the eternity of the, those that we encounter into heaven. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have the words to say when we open our mouths. Help us, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit to be led to the one that needs to be ministered to, the one not like us. And God, may we not take for granted the gift of salvation that we have. May we take, for, may we take seriously the responsibility to share that good news. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.